there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's message. Where were you? First time you heard about Jesus. It's a hard question, isn't it? For some of us, it's kind of like, well, do you know what? I've been around church for a very, very long time. And I think, I think I heard the name Jesus from the moment I was born when my dad was going, oh, thank you, Jesus, he's here, or she's here, woo! Some of you can remember real specific the moment that you, you first heard the name Jesus. It was more than a swear word, and it's a powerful, powerful moment. You know, the first time we hear the name Jesus and understand it to mean something far more than just a word that is a cuss, it is a word, it is a time that just switches the light on once and for all. It's good news, that name, Jesus. I can ask you a question this afternoon, and I'd like you to discuss with the person next to you, if it's your partner, this is an opportunity for you to really brag on the beauty of your partner that you're with this afternoon. What would you say is your most redeeming feature? What would you say is the most redeeming feature? Husbands, now's the time to say, darling, your eyes are beautiful. Your own or the person next to you. <laughs> what do you say is your most redeeming feature? Another way of saying it might be, what's the favourite part of your own body? Now keep it clean, keep it PG, please. What's, the, what's your favourite part of your own body? I mean, I... When I was a teenager, when I was a teenager, um, there was a girl in youth that I really fancied, yeah. And I was, uh, I was at youth camp, and I was wearing flip-flops, hello. I was wearing flip-flops, and uh, this girl, who was a few years older than me, that I really had a crush on, and years later I found out she had a crush on me too. Good job she didn't tell me. Goodness me, things would have panned out very differently. She said I had really nice feet. Anyone else willing to say that their best feature is their feet? No? All right, okay, maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. <laughs> so um, there was someone else who said once, Pete, you've got ever such a lovely nose, ever such a lovely nose, they said. But as I got older, the injury that I sustained as a four-year-old going over the handlebars of my bike became more and more pronounced. My kids call my nose a helicopter landing pad because it's so flat on the end. And uh, it's got multiple points of gristle. It's ever so weird. I was four, and I thought I could go off the gutter like all the other kids in Lawnswood Rose. And, um, and I, I continued to go over the handlebars and smash my little nose up. I've got a little scar under my moustache here that proves the point. They didn't realize that when I grew up, my nose would be a helicopter landing pad. What's your most redeeming feature? What's your favorite body feature? Do you know, the scriptures tell us that every single part of us is fearfully and wonderfully made. Have you ever heard that? And now, Ben Wade, who's sitting just over there, he looks cool, but he's got a hobby that I think's hilarious, and it is painting little war figures. Is it, is it Warhammer? There you go. So there's Ben with his great big bass hands playing big bass notes, but he paints the most delicate of little models. Oh, it's very good. And uh, I reckon that Ben fearfully and wonderfully paints his models. What do we mean by that? It means he takes his time, right, Ben? Can you bring some um, examples in next time you're preaching? Oh, you're not bringing them in. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. And so the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. In other words, God took his time over crafting us and creating us. The scriptures tell us that he knew us when we were woven, knit together in our mother's womb. It's amazing. And in today's key scripture, um, there is a body part of ours. It may have already been mentioned that the scriptures say is particularly beautiful. There is a part of your body, Christian, a part of my body as a Christian, that the scriptures say is particularly beautiful. Let's see if you can work out from the scriptures, just by reading through with me, which part it might be. Let's have the scriptures up. So this is Romans chapter 10. Stunning scriptures. They say this, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your, what? And believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's good news, isn't it? But it's not your mouth and it's not your heart we're looking at right now. <laughs> For it is with your heart that you, that you believed and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Did you see something quite interesting there? That the whole story of salvation is not simply believing with our hearts, but also telling with our mouth. Did you notice that? Really important part of scripture that we must never look over. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile or Jew and non-Jew. The same Lord, God, is Lord, and, uh, is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Is that good news this afternoon? Richly blesses all. Everyone say all. Not some, everyone in this room and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be richly blessed. But then Paul says this, he says, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? In other words, how can people call on the name of Jesus if they've never heard the name of Jesus? Makes sense, doesn't it? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard about? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the, ding, 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 how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And then in verse 17, it says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Turn to the person, the person next to you and just say, nice feet, mate, nice feet, excellent feet. Got lovely feet you have, lovely feet, lovely feet. The scripture says this, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing these scriptures, he's really excited to the point that he quotes the Old Testament prophets, two prophets, three times. He quotes um, Isaiah and he quotes Joel. In Isaiah 28, 16, it says, the one who relies on the Messiah will never be stricken with panic. Is that good news? In Joel chapter 2, verse 32, it says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? And then again in Isaiah 52, verse 7, it says, How beautiful, oh, that's where Paul's getting it from. It's been said before. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. That is good news today. Paul is so excited about this idea that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So excited. 
that he backs it up by quoting prophets that spoke hundreds of years previously. See, this idea of Jesus saving, the Messiah saving, was not a new idea. It had been long expected, and the time has now come. Amen? Nice feet, Springs Church. Nice feet. The scriptures say, if you are a Christian, if you are someone who has faith in Jesus, how beautiful are your feet? Pete, no one's going to get saved when they look at my crusty bunions. No one's going to get saved when I take off my shoe and my sock and they see that deep ingrowing toenail. It can't possibly be about feet, can it? It is about the person that those feet carry. Are you with me this afternoon? How beautiful are the feet of every believer in Jesus? Because what you carry is beautiful. Is the good news of Jesus beautiful? It is. It's not about your feet. It's about the life that those feet carry. So what is the message that you carry? Forgive me for having to use my phone. My iPad's packed up. As a Christian, what do you carry? Youth, you ready for this? This is what you carry. This is who you are now since you believe in Jesus. The God who hears our prayers, that's the story you carry. You carry the experience of the God who answers prayers, not just hears them. You carry the gospel, which is the God who brings comfort, the God who heals. You tell the story of the Holy Spirit who has brought you into a place of freedom. You carry Jesus, whose name is higher than every name. You carry the name Jesus whose life, death, and resurrection lifted you and I out of a place called darkness into a place called everlasting light. He lifted us from a place of death and separation from God for eternity and placed us in heavenly places. Do you know your spirit right now is not seated in the pew in this church. Your spirit is seated in heavenly places with your Father God. That's what the scriptures tell us. Is this beautiful news? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. You want me to stop saying feet? Yeah? All right. Church, this good news is far too good to keep to ourselves. This love of God is far too deep to not let other people in on. Would you agree? This mercy we have is too rich. This love is too rich that we should make other people poorer for never hearing it. Do you see what I'm saying this afternoon? Can you hear the call? Can you hear the challenge coming? How beautiful, how beautiful, how beautiful. We have some incredible people in this church. Incredible craftsmen and craftswomen. People with talent where they can take something and make it into something very, very beautiful. I, I cast my eye over this side and I'm amazed by the work of Steve Harris. He is the most like Jesus in the room. He is a master carpenter. Sorry, Steve. On the back row, almost back row, I hope don't embarrass him too much, but there is an amazing, amazing friend of mine called James Woodall. James, just give us a little wave. There he is. You see that man? All right. Those hands craft the most incredible pieces of art. He's got a show coming up. We'll let everyone know about it. Darren Goldie, head of art at Dormston. Incredible. If, you've, if you follow him on Facebook and you've seen Inktober, so you're doing a, a sketch every, or a drawing every day in October, they're amazing what this guy can do. Where's my brother Samuel? He's around somewhere. He's left me. He's deserted me. I can't believe it. Where is he? Don't say that. I might be in trouble. Um, so, so my brother and my dad, as you know, they make guitars for a living. Why am I talking about such things? It's because of this. When you want something crafted that's unique, 
You go to a master, a master carpenter, a master painter, a master whatever it is you want, and you get them to do you a commission. You ask them to create something that's unique for you. You ask them to, 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 uh, to, to create something beautiful, something that you were imagining, but only they can achieve. A commission is something bespoke, something unique. And a commission, tell me if I'm wrong, Steve, Jay, anyone else who sells a bit of commission or work every now and again. You want a deposit up front, right? And the deposit that's paid up front suggests that that work will be carried out. But the commission is not complete until the commission is delivered. Do you hear what I'm saying this afternoon? If my brother makes a guitar, someone's asked for it. They said they want a particular guitar in a particular shape with a particular sound and a set of wood and all the rest of it. And they may have paid a deposit. It might already have started to be paid for, but that commission is not complete until Dad and Sam deliver that guitar. Are you with me this afternoon? She's a little segue. Matthew 28 is known as the Great Commission of Jesus. If you've been around church for a while, you'll know that Matthew 28 is some of the last words of Jesus. And he, he says to his disciples, he commissions us, his followers, to go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing men, women, and children in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he says, teach them everything I've commanded you. You see, this commission that Jesus sends us out on has already been paid for by the blood of Jesus. But the commission is not complete until those who have been commissioned deliver on the commission. Now some of you might be sitting here this afternoon and thinking, what's this got to do with me? I'd encourage you this, that our Christian experience is nowhere near complete until we have delivered or started to deliver on the Great Commission. That is to tell others about Jesus. Do you see where we're going this afternoon? We have been commissioned. The work has been paid for. But it's not complete until it's delivered. So how do we deliver? The Scriptures, Romans 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. But how can anybody have the option to choose to follow Jesus if they never hear it? And I'm wondering as I'm speaking this afternoon, how many people in your life and in my life don't know the goodness of God. I reckon as we start, as we sit here, we start to think of all those loved ones, people we meet, neighbours, folks in our community, shopkeepers, colleagues, school friends, college friends, uni friends. We can start to think, there's a lot of people in our world who don't know the goodness of God. I want to encourage you this afternoon that your life is a message. Last week, Lynn said this, this scripture, Christ in who? You and me, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so can I ask you a question? And it's a good question to ask, and it's a tough question to ask. If your life is a message, if your life is a letter to those that don't know Jesus, if it's a letter about Jesus, what message is your life communicating? What message is your life communicating. Now this isn't the part where we start listing off a load of naughty behaviours that are just doing no good for the gospel. It's just an honest question sitting here right now. What message are you... Let me ask a better question. What kind of message do you want to communicate? Yeah. What kind of message do you... What do you want people to know 
about Jesus. <laughs> I want to encourage you from a, a portion of Scripture. So come and see portion of Scripture. It's found in John chapter 1, verse 43 to 51. It's an amazing story, and I'm glad it's been put in for us to read and to learn from. It says this. It says that Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to Philip, follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. <laughs> I love his response. People down the generations have loved the response of Nazareth, uh, Nathaniel. Nathaniel goes, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Go on, oh. Can anything good come out of God? King Wally, what, can anything good come out of these places? <laughs> and then he says this. Philip says to his mate, Nathaniel, he says, just come and see. Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you, mate. I saw you while you were sitting under that fig tree, even before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, teacher, gosh, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under a fig tree. I actually think Jesus said it a little bit more like this. You believe in me because I knew you were sat under a fig tree. Is that all it took? All it took for you to believe was, gosh, he knew where I was sitting. Blimey. And then Jesus carries on. He says, you'll see even greater things than that, mate. Anyone, or anyone want to see greater things than what they have experienced to date? Me too. And then Jesus said, very truly, I tell you. If Jesus ever says, very truly, he says, I'm not joking. Listen up. Very truly, I tell you that you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus to Nathaniel. Nathaniel. You believe because I knew where you were. That's all it took. Can I encourage you this afternoon that in your world there are a whole bunch of Nathaniels waiting for a Philip to come and say, come and see. And there are Nathaniels in your life and Nathaniels in my life that all they need to believe is that God sees them, that God loves them, that God knows everything about them. You got any Nathaniels in your life? I reckon we all have. I think we should rise up with the guts of a guy called Philip. There's a theme with horses. Philip means lover of horses. There you go. That's, you can have that for free. So off he gallops to his mate Nathaniel. And he says, he says, come and see. Come and see. Pete, Jesus isn't walking into my town. How on earth am I meant to say, come and see? What is come and see in my life? I want to encourage you. That Christ in you, the hope of glory, is an ongoing come and see moment. Can you just eyeball me a sec and make sure that this is landing with you this afternoon? These things are come and see moments. These are your opportunities. These are your Philip moments. Here we go. When you open your home and your hospitality says to others, you belong, that's a come and see moment. Did you hear me this afternoon? Hello? I open my home. Are those strangers in? 
Be nice to people. When your kindness is a surprise to a world-battered soul, it's a come-and-see moment. When your kindness is a surprise to world-battered souls. When your peace is confusing because it makes no sense with what's going on around you, your peace is a come-and-see moment. Are you encouraged this afternoon? When you're generous with words or actions, it's a come-and-see moment. When you're meek, meek does not mean weak. Are you ready for this? Meek means refusing to retaliate even when you have the right to. When you are meek, it's a come-and-see moment. When you forgive when someone does not deserve forgiveness, just like you didn't deserve the forgiveness of Jesus, it's a come-and-see moment. When you offer to pray for somebody who doesn't know Jesus, either they're with them at the time, or you've prayed for them, and you tell them that there, my friend, is a what? A come-and-see moment. When you live out the values of your faith in the face of the ways of the world, it's a come-and-see moment. When you live with a constant hope, it's a come-and-see moment. When you love people, it's a come-and-see moment. Your joy in the Lord is a come-and-see moment. Do you believe? Because you saw me. There are people in our world tonight that are just waiting to be told that God sees them. There's a difference between being seen and being seen, isn't there? And God sees everything, everything, and still calls us forth. This week, we are launching a missional prayer initiative. This week, we're going to launch a missional prayer initiative. And we're going to call this prayer initiative 10. Everything about it has got a number 10 going on about it. If you know your scriptures well, if you know your Jesus talk well, you'll know that in the Gospel of John, chapter 10 and verse what? Genius. It's all happening. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus says that the thief, that's the devil, has only come to steal and destroy, but I have come to give life and that they may have life to the full. The thief comes only to steal and destroy, but I have come that they may bring life, and that I may bring life to them, and that they may have it to the full. Can I ask you to imagine something for a second? Because when we allow godly imagination to, 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 to come into our heart and mind, it often becomes something called vision. And the scriptures say that without vision, people perish. In other words, they don't know where they're going in life. So let's just, let's just imagine for a second on our Springs Church database for emails, we have precisely 117 subscribers. How wonderful is that? If you're a subscriber, just give me a little whoop. There we go, a few subscribers. But let's be a little conservative, and let's imagine we only had 100 core uh, people who call Springs Church their home. Let's just imagine there are only 100, right? Now let's imagine that each one of 100 of us, each one of the 100 people core belonging to Springs Church, decide that they're going to pray for 10 unsaved friends or family or people in their world for 10 whole weeks. Now, help me out with the quick maths. I was never the sharpest lad. What is 10 times 100? Oh, you are nervous. 
It's a thousand. Could you imagine what it would look like for a hundred people of Springs Church to commit to praying for just 10 people each who don't know Jesus? That would be a thousand people that this church would be actively praying for for them to know the goodness of God. That is amazing. Now let's, let's not get too optimistic. Let's say there's only 50 people in Springs Church. Quick maths tells me that's still 500 people that would be prayed for that don't know Jesus. The scriptures tell us that without prayer, nothing really happens. And if we pray consistently for a whole bunch of people that don't know Jesus, is it possible that one or two may come to faith? Hello? Is it possible? Is it possible that a youth ministry that started two weeks ago should double in two weeks? It happened. Almost. Bit evangelistic. It was 53 and it was 33. How much? 55, 55 kids on Friday night. How cool is that? Amazing. Is it possible that we as a church could say, do you know what? I'm going to think about and I'm going to consistently pray for 10 people in my life that I know don't know Jesus. And I'm going to pray for them, not on my own, but I'm going to go on a journey with the rest of the church family that I'm a, I'm, I'm a part of. And we're, going to, we're going to pray for hundreds of people. What if in 10 weeks' time, which is our Christmas event, oh my gosh, it's like they planned it. What would happen in 10 weeks' time if just two or three people that you were praying for came and enjoyed Christmas together, celebrating as a church? Is it possible that they might just come to know Jesus? Whoa. In January, we're going to be launching a brand new Alpha course. How exciting is that? Brand new Alpha course. It'll be in a pub somewhere near you. And we're going to be going for it again. Over these next 10 weeks, what if all of us, doesn't matter how old we are, had 10 people that we were praying for consistently for 10 weeks? Do you think God might do something special? We might see them saved. We might see them knowing the love of God. We, there might be another Dave in the room in 10 weeks' time. There might be another Lydia in the room and the experience that Lydia had in 10 weeks. They might, who knows what God could do? 10 people. 100 Springsters, a 1,000 people being prayed for to know Jesus. Gosh, oh, I think that's pretty cool. We're going to respond in a sec. We're just going to worship again. And if that has grabbed you this afternoon, if you are sitting there thinking, gosh, my feet could be beautiful. <laughs> How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. But if you can start to imagine, to envision you, yourself, praying for 10 people that don't know Jesus for the next 10 weeks. And just imagining how God might... Listen, they may not make a decision for Jesus in 10 weeks' time, but they might discover God blessing them richly because somebody is praying for them for the first time in their lives. Let's start there. As we worship in this last song, there's a whole bunch of these cards printed in the Springs Church office just this Friday, back and sized. It's impressive, isn't it? I guillotined them as well. I guillotined them as well. I did it myself. Please take some. <laughs> it says on the cards, it says, I have come that they may have life. And I really believe that you'll start to get vision. As you write down people's names on this card, 
Jesus has come that they might have life and know it to the fullest. It says on there, consistent prayer for 10 specific people in our world over 10 weeks that they would come to know faith in Jesus and have life to the full. It's just we worship um, at the end here. I'm just going to put a bunch of these cards out. You don't need loads of them. You don't need to go chucking them through loads of people's letterboxes. You just need one for yourself. And if you can see yourself as somebody who might just be willing to have a pray and to think about 10 people in their world that don't know Jesus, but you know they need God. Let's face it, we know we all need God. If you can envision yourself, I just want to ask you, it's part of the appeal, to come and pick up a card. You don't have to fill it in today. You can fill it in over the next week. Let's start to imagine. Let's start to imagine. As we worship him, you might already know three names straight away. Over the course of the week, you may have ten. You may not get to ten. It's not the point. The point is let's start praying to see people come to know Jesus more than ever. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preachers. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.